0: Welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and a few years ago, I started a life and business coaching company with my bestie. I'm a wife, a business owner, a coach, a speaker, and the author of the book that inspired this podcast, She Who Overcomes Rising Out of the Ashes of Your Circumstances. I'm also training to run my first half marathon. Oh, And did I mention I'm doing all of this while overcoming a life threatening illness called cystic fibrosis? It's true. And hey, if I can rise up, so can you. Each week on this podcast, I'll be here to encourage and equip you with the skills you need to rise up as the successful overcomer you were designed to be. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, welcome back to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I am so excited to spend another episode with you today. So go ahead and grab your coffee and we're going to get started with chapter seven of my book, She Who Overcomes, and this one is called She Faces Lies and Labels, and it's all about the courage to face fears. So here we go. Anticipation and a healthy dose of anxiety trickled through our bodies as we welcomed the handful of women that would fill the room for our first coaching program. Rachel and I had dreamed of this moment for years, and here it was, right in front of us. God's promises had come full circle, and we watched in awe as the reality of our dreams unfolded before our eyes. Rachel stepped up to the front of the room to welcome the ladies, and as she did, she removed her jacket to reveal what was written in black and red marker on her white t-shirt. A hush fell over the crowd as the unsuspecting women began to read the horrible words on her shirt. Fear, depression, rejection, mean, unworthy, poor, a big red A. With grace in her step and determination in her heart, she began to share the lies and labels that had been a part of her story since childhood. In her teenage years, Rachel experienced what it was like to have her family fall apart. When her dad left her mom and filed for a divorce, she took on the label of abandoned. Fear attached itself to her as well, and she began to believe the lie that she would one day be destined to walk in the footsteps of her parents' divorce. As an adult, Rachel found the labels only grew, not diminished. When she began looking for love from someone other than her husband, because her marriage was going through a challenging season, she painted a big red A on her heart for adultery. When she experienced postpartum depression during and after her pregnancies, anxiety trailed behind her, dragging her further into the pit of despair. Out of that anxiety grew the belief that she was a bad mom and a crazy nut job. When she finally found the courage to overcome the lies of her past and determined to do something amazing with her life and career, the word prideful was suddenly thrown at her from trusted colleagues and loved ones. It became impossible for her to be confident, healthy, and whole while she held on to all of these excuses, lies, and labels. But Rachel, is an overcomer. She recognized the painful process that she needed to go through to discover the truth and say goodbye to the lies and labels forever. By practicing new skills and thought patterns, she found the courage to confront her fears. She learned to dream again and began to believe that God had huge plans for her life. In her own words, she says, I had to see myself as the beautiful daughter he created me to be. I had to be okay with the truth that I wasn't a bad mom. I was a survivor. I had to allow him to erase the big red A and all the other lies and labels I wore. This is part of the recipe that creates an overcomer. It takes a pinch of bravery, mixed in with a plentiful scoop of vulnerability, and a spoonful of strength. This recipe calls for the rejection of lies and labels. Only then can you believe the truth, so the beautiful authenticity of the overcomer that you are, uncovered in the last chapter and in the last episode, can be revealed. According to Dictionary.com, courage is defined as the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty danger or pain without fear bravery in the last two chapters we have journeyed through chapters 2 and 3 in the book of revelation for some wisdom on how to find the courage to resolve conflict and be authentic i don't know about you but the rich content provided in those scriptures has seriously rocked my world I'm trusting that a similar experience is happening for you too. However, it would be unwise to dive into the topic of courage without also bringing up the topic of fear. The two go hand in hand, and for that reason, in this chapter, we will be taking a break from the book of Revelation so we can cover this topic of fear that so many people wrestle with daily. Rachel isn't the only one who has battled with lies and labels. In fact, on the evening of our very first group coaching event, we discovered a very important truth. We all have buried lies and labels written on our hearts that we've been, at times, too afraid to confront. For instance, my own personal lies and labels bear the following words. Snobby rich girl. Ashamed. Sick girl. Too skinny. Selfish. Hated. Not good enough. Ugly Fido. Not a leader. Always left out. Fearful. Depressed. Anxious. Goody two-shoes. Lonely. I don't matter. Ugh. Even saying those words is bad. When I was a child, my parents were blessed to build their dream home in a small town. It was a beautiful home and a big one. Our quaint family of three now had a very modern home complete with almost 4,000 square feet and six televisions. For some reason, it was the talk of the town, and I suddenly became labeled the snobby, rich, only child who got everything she wanted. That wasn't true. I was neither snobby, nor did I get everything I wanted. However, I let the label be branded on my heart and began to feel ashamed because people who didn't know me thought something that wasn't true. Being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis automatically gave me a stigma of sick girl, whether I liked it or not. That wasn't true either. In fact, God's word tells us that He is the healer and will heal all of our diseases. Yet, part of me believed this label and buried it deep down inside. The other labels I carried around inside came from various places throughout my life. Kids calling me names when I wore a sweatshirt that said, Fido Dido, or maybe it was Fido Dido. I don't know how to say it to this day, but it was some kind of character. And I loved that shirt. It had been painted by my aunt, and it was, I don't know, it was just some kind of character. But now kids called me Fido like I was a dog. Other labels were adult women feeling insecure and telling me that I should never consider myself a leader. Or my own insecurities screaming words of fear depression, and anxiety during seasons of trials and deep pain. The labels we brand ourselves with aren't always put there by other people. Many times, we singe the words on our own hearts because we fear digging deep enough to find the truth behind the lies. The ladies in our coaching group that evening discovered their own lies and labels too. And when they stepped back and surveyed the words written around the room on these giant sticky notes attached to the wall, they were all amazed. Many of them had no idea that others struggled with the same lies and labels. They thought they were the only ones, all alone, stranded on a deserted island of insecurities, lies, labels, and fears. What are the lies, labels, and fears that have been branded on your heart and buried deep within? Whatever they are, allow me to be the one to let you know that you're not alone. Every single person on this earth battles with lies and labels from time to time, some more than others. Fear's goal is to make you believe that you are the only one who battles with these insecurities because when you believe that lie you'll stay silent. It's time to make some noise. From this point forward, fear no longer has the upper hand in your life. Why? Because you were born to overcome it. You have the persistency and the courage of an overcomer. And today, we're going to rise up and say goodbye to that isolation and silence that fear has been keeping you hostage under for years. In my first self-published book, In Sickness and in Health, Lessons Learned on the Journey from Cystic Fibrosis to Total Health, I gave some insight into fear. Here's what I shared. Fear is such a silly thing, really. It's sneaky and it keeps us stuck. Fear keeps us sick or it keeps us from moving forward into a healthier version of ourselves by tricking us into thinking that we are being careful when really we're just being fearful. Fear likes to mask the truth. It clouds our mind so we can't see any other possible outcomes other than bad ones. But here's what fear doesn't want us to know. Fear can serve as a compass. In fact, it's the best compass out there. If there's something you've always dreamed of doing but you're afraid of it, then you must do it because waiting on the other side of that fear is something that will equip you for your future. Fear is conquered by faith. And faith is usually sharpened by tribulations and trials. In fact, in the Bible, we're told to rejoice in trials and tribulations because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. In the next chapter, we will dive into the topic of faith and uncover some truths from the book of Revelation again. But while we are on this topic of fear and courage— Let's take a moment to hear one woman's story of the fears she has faced. Maybe you can identify with this story that this courageous woman recently shared in response to a devotional that I wrote on my blog. She says this. I just finished reading chapter 1 and spent some time talking to myself about my fears. It was interesting to me that all my fears involve physical pain. I am not afraid of death because I know God. I am not afraid of failure because I can only move up from being homeless two years ago. I am, however, afraid of being raped, molested, or physically hurt by someone. These fears stem from a lot of issues in my past. But as I was praying and understanding these fears, God spoke to me. He said, I will protect you. And in my heart, I know that even if these things did happen to me, I would survive because I am a fighter. I have before and I will continue to. I sat a while and thought about whether or not to share this. But if there's one thing I have learned, it's that fear wants us to stay silenced. I don't leave the house alone with my daughter pretty much ever. My husband or friends or mother is usually always with me because I am so overcome with fear of someone trying to hurt us. And what might happen if I can't fight back for her? Yep, I don't leave the house after dark no matter how much I need ink or milk or anything because I am overcome with fear of walking to my car. So I know it's time for change. I want my life back. You guys, this brave mom took the very first step. She spent time allowing herself to feel her fears And then she asked God to show her where they stemmed from. As she did, He began to set her free. She also recognized the importance of finding the courage to be weak for the purpose of eventually growing stronger. Let's talk about this topic of the courage to be weak. It was only three years ago that I sat at the kitchen table, my cup of triple venti soy caramel macchiato resting in my hands as I expressed my feelings to my closest friends. Here's what I said. Yes, I'm okay, but lately I've been really tired and getting over being sick. It's kind of lonely when Nate has gone for work, and I know I seem like a go-getter, but lately I feel more depressed and end up doing nothing and feeling like no one notices me because they're all living their lives while I just sit at home tired. My friends let me spew my emotions as they looked at me with sincere interest and concern. Over the last few years leading up to this conversation, these two women had watched me overcome cystic fibrosis. They watched me rise above the emotional stress of PTSD from losing my home to a fire. They rejoiced with me as my marriage grew stronger and we paid off debt. They supported my dreams. On this particularly dreary day... They understood the need for me to talk out my emotions and the pain that had been building up since my miscarriage a few months earlier. After several minutes of me sharing my thoughts, my friend Madison looked at me and with piercing eyes said the most freeing words I had heard all week. Mandy, you know it's all right if you're not okay, right? Before I could process what was said, I found myself mechanically saying, Yes, I know. I'm okay, really. And that's when Rachel piped in with a look of skeptical compassion on her face. It sounds like you're really not, sweetie. Stunned at the reality of what was unfolding before me, I closed my mouth and replayed my words in my mind. It was true. I wasn't okay. And I was denying myself the opportunity to receive that fact. I thanked them for their honesty and gave them permission to point out the truth anytime I might be blinded to it. After all, how else would I grow and overcome things if I didn't even realize what was hindering me? That night, I went home and got brutally honest with myself and with God. It's so easy to stuff our feelings and emotions in a place where we don't see them. Human nature is to ignore them and pretend they don't exist. The problem with this is that our bodies still feel the stress even if our minds refuse to let us process it. Emotions can make you sick. The lies, labels, and fears will always keep you stuck if you don't find the courage to persist in getting to the truth. As I allowed my emotions to surface in the pitch black dark of night and I felt the intensity of them, the following truths about courage and weakness were revealed to me. Number one, it takes courage to feel your emotions and face the lies and labels. Most people will not feel their emotions, nor will they confront their lies, labels, and fears. The intensity of those things becomes overwhelming, and the truth is often too much to bear. Crying, anger, and sadness are often looked upon as characteristics of the weak. And that, my friend, is a big fat lie. The truth is that feeling your emotions actually makes you stronger. Facing the lies and labels strengthens you. It helps you heal and process the circumstances in your life. In your moments of weakness, if you're a person of faith, that's when the God of all mankind can come in and strengthen you, if you let him. Feeling your emotions takes courage. Number two, it takes courage to be vulnerable with yourself and others. All I know is that when I'm vulnerable with myself and others, the shackles of stress fall off and my boldness returns. Faith returns. Strength grows. Vulnerability opens the doors to overcoming the pain and chaos that has kept us blinded. It allows us to rise up out of the ashes of our circumstances. Being vulnerable also encourages others when they walk through similar seasons. People need to see that they aren't alone. They are yearning for authenticity from others who have made it through chaos and pain so they too can find the hope to do the same. So please do not shy away from being vulnerable. Embrace it. Number three, it takes courage to admit when you are weak. Putting on a brave mask while hiding from the root problem day in and day out is exhausting. It is. You get stuck in a mind-numbing, never-ending cycle that wears you down until you are left with hopelessness, more fear, and sometimes even sickness. The mask might make you look strong to others, but on the inside, you walk around being terrified, weak, and frail. It takes far more courage to admit the truth, than to keep hiding from it and pretending to be strong. It takes courage to rise up and say, enough is enough. Maybe you're in a position of weakness right now, and you've been denying yourself the ability to not be okay. If so, it's all right. I give you permission to cry. I give you permission to be angry and feel the sadness and pain so you can release it effectively. Life is a journey. And courage is birthed out of weakness and vulnerability. In fact, God tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. When we are weak, it gives him the chance to be strong. So you see, my friend, it really is all right if you're not okay right now. Receive that fact and someday soon, you will be okay again. You gotta recognize that, there is a deep refinement that happens when you find the courage to admit that you're weak. In my own journey of overcoming fears and healing from PTSD and anxiety, certain situations or experiences seem to pick open the scab and the bleeding slowly starts again. Many times I don't even notice the trail until it's too late. Frustration, anger, a sudden deep sense of sorrow extreme fatigue, even episodes of fear slowly seep out of the wound before I'm aware of it, Of what's happening. Have you ever experienced this? In the coaching and counseling world, the situations or experiences that result in those feelings are called triggers. Triggers can be anything from certain seasons of the year to smells, even material objects. When you've struggled with fear, depression, anxiety, PTSD, or any other emotional traumas, triggers will come up. They threaten your peace and can derail your progress when you're not aware of them. That's why we must learn to recognize, identify, and even anticipate our triggers. It's an important part of overcoming fears, lies, and labels. I have found that my ability to recognize the seasons that trigger those feelings in my own life has strengthened over the years. Through experience, I have developed an ability to anticipate my own triggers and therefore equip myself to overcome them, or at the very least, identify them quicker in hindsight and extend grace to myself. Maybe you'd like to discover how to do that too. A few years after the fire, I found myself visiting my parents for the weekend. On more than one occasion, I drove past the location where our home once stood. The apartment had been rebuilt, and for the first time I could look at it and almost smile. Almost. On the last day there, I ended up driving past the apartment building with Ajabi sitting on my passenger seat. And all of the memories of that horrible experience flooded back into my mind. I could see myself driving down the road, trying to reach the building, filled with sky-high flames. I could sense that sickening feeling in my stomach as I, ima- as I imagined my precious fur baby dying in the fire. And then I could sense the peace and overwhelming gratitude when I held her in my arms again after six hours of believing she was gone. Almost three years later, these feelings were still so fresh. And yet, this time, I could appreciate the broken road that we traveled to get to where we are today. I wouldn't want to relive it, but I wouldn't take it back either. All these things went through my mind as I drove out of town and headed home. Well, later that night, I called my husband to let him know that I had made it home. He was working out of town and we decided to talk again before we both went to sleep so that I could finish unpacking and get my, my breathing treatments done. Well, around 10.45 p.m., I tried calling Nate again, and it went straight to voicemail. Since this isn't uncommon in the areas that he travels, I also sent a text message. Ten minutes later, I still had not heard from him. Over the next two hours, I tried several more times to reach him with no success. And that's when the panic settled in. I was already exhausted from a busy weekend and traveling, so my ability to, to rein in my emotions and think with a level head was kind of comatose. I spent the rest of the night wondering where my husband was and worrying about the phone ringing to tell me there was an accident and he was gone. Triggers often hit without warning, especially when we are still learning to identify them. And this was one of those times Looking back now, I can clearly see what set me off. My trigger that day was the apartment building. The finger that pulled the trigger was exhaustion. And that's when the bullet of fear, worry, and anxiety hit its target right on. My mind and my fragile emotions. I'm not even going to tell you how many times I called my husband and texted him because, quite frankly, it's embarrassing. It's like stalkerish. Well, the next morning, after four hours of sleep, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. to discover that there was still no message from him. At that point, I started telling God that I was not ready for any more pain or loss. I told him that I was getting to the point of getting back to a new normal, and I couldn't handle any more heartbreak at this point of my journey. It was only after this confession that I was able to grab my Bible, focus on God's truth, and face the fact that no matter what pain comes my way, I can, in fact, get through it. There's something powerful that happens when we confess our fears. No matter what we believe, when it comes to faith or God or religion or spirituality, something powerful happens when we confess our fears. It doesn't make us weak. It actually makes us stronger. It helps us see ourselves clearly, and it's through our confession that if we are a spiritual person, we allow God to work fully in our lives and through our situations. In that moment, when I confessed that, I was reminded that God always hears us even when it seems like He doesn't. I was reminded that God always carries us through even when we don't see Him working. I was reminded that sometimes emotions and fatigues are too much for us to bear alone. And we must fall into the arms of God for peace, rest, and restoration. Well, 10 minutes later, after I had immersed myself in God's word, I tried calling Nate again. This time he answered and I broke down weeping. I was so happy to hear his voice. So embarrassed by my overreaction and so utterly exhausted that I just lost it. Here's what happened he had fallen asleep, and somehow his phone had turned to emergency only calls, so nothing was getting through. He apologized, and we came up with a plan to make sure that I don't overreact again in the future. I hung up the phone and crawled back into bed where I slept for another four hours. If you're struggling with PTSD, anxiety, or fear today because of a traumatic event in your life or some sort of sickness, I really pray that this encourages you. You're not alone. Give yourself some grace. Journal about your feelings so you can find out what your triggers are. Share your hurts with a trusted friend, a spouse, or maybe even a counselor so that you can grow from your pain. You were never meant to set up camp in the valley of despair and fear. You're just passing through. Recognizing our triggers and overcoming them won't happen without first confronting our fears. After walking through this in my own life and helping clients overcome similar circumstances, I've learned that there is an actual method to this process. However, it's not a one-time fix. It must be applied every time fear pops in. So I want to end our time today together with these three steps to help you confront your fears. The first one is to feel it and confess it. Now, crazy as it sounds, we've got to feel that fear to its very core. As we've mentioned before, most people ignore their fears and they just stuff them down further. That does not help you overcome it. So, today, give yourself permission to find the courage to feel it. Journal about it, cry about it, scream over it, whatever you have to do to let it all out, do it. Hiding and ignoring it will just make it grow and give it more power. So feel it. Be honest enough and brave enough to look it in the eyes and stare it down. Take it one step further after you felt it and confess your fears out loud so your ears can hear them. When we keep our fears in our thoughts, all we do is marinate in more fear. Confess it out loud. Once a fear is expressed out loud, our ears hear how silly it sounds and our problem-solving skills start to kick in. There is power in confessing that you're afraid of something, yet you're going to choose to overcome it anyway. No more fake bravery, okay? Mm -mm. No more. From now on, feel it and confess it. Number two, speak with authority. So ancient wisdom tells us that our tongues have the power of life and death, and we will eat the fruit of them. And it's true. Our words have power, not in a magical, like, I'm going to say I want, you know, I don't know, a thousand dollars in cash and boom, it just appears. Not like that. But you guys, we get what we focus on and we have been given the authority to, to overcome all the powers of the enemy and it starts with our tongue. So we have the power to, to overcome fearful thoughts. We have the power to overcome scary thoughts, doubtful thoughts, worry filled thoughts, suicidal thoughts, thoughts of depression, anxiety, insignificance, thoughts of intimidation, abandonment, and sickness or rejection. The list goes on and on, but the fact remains we have the authority to overcome it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the power to trample over all of the traps. That the enemy sets for us. And if you don't believe that, that's okay. You don't have to have the same faith as me because it works. You can still at least attest to the fact that you get what you focus on. And if you don't believe that and you're still like, nope, I don't think so, try it out and prove me wrong. Do your own like 30 day mind detox and see what happens when you start speaking good things instead of negative things. I dare you. Our thoughts are the birthplace of our fears. Here's the thing. We can't always choose the thoughts that pop into our brains, but we can choose how we respond to them. Speaking with authority is one of the best ways to snatch our fears and kick them out. Okay. If you do, like, let's, let's say that you are we have the same faith and you are like okay but i want a script like what can i say to like i don't know what to say okay that's a question i get asked all the time like what do i say mandy well here's here's a script okay you could say something like okay i bind up these thoughts of fear and i cast them into the pit of hell in jesus name i am a daughter of the king and no weapon formed against me shall prosper okay those are easy things you can say if you are not somebody that shares the same faith as me, you can still say things like, um, okay, I choose to believe that it's all going to work out. I choose to believe that I will figure out how to overcome this. This fear has no power over me. Like Those are some things you can focus on. You can focus on how life-giving it's going to feel when Things start happening in your favor. You can focus on the positive instead of the negative. That's really what it comes down to. And it's going to feel a little bit funny at first when you start speaking any type of truth statement or positive statement, but it's also going to encourage you more than you could ever imagine. So I want to challenge you today to speak with the authority that you've been given and confront those fears with God's truth and with positive words. All right, and finally, number three is to put it in writing. Okay, when confronting your fears, the art of journaling will be a really powerful tool for you. It's important to get really clear on what bravery and courage look like in your own life. Think of the movies that you've watched where bravery and courage have been displayed. What was it about the characters that you identified with? Write out a clear picture of those qualities and those habits that a brave and courageous person has so you can begin to ask God for wisdom and how to emulate them in your own life. In my book, She Who Overcomes, each chapter ends with some personal reflection questions. So if you want to dive deeper into that, go ahead and get it on Amazon. You can get it in paperback or Kindle version. But Honestly, just sitting down and even answering, okay, what are those qualities? What are the things that I admire in other people that I consider brave? That's going to help you a lot. Because a crazy, awesome, and supernatural thing happens when we put pen to paper. So be brave enough to confront your fears by writing out your own path of courage. All right, guys. So we are ending, well, we're nearing The end of this episode. We've got just a few moments left. And I just want to remind you that there's no lie or label or fear that can shackle you when you embrace the truth that you have nothing to fear, that you are a child of of God and a child of God has absolutely nothing to fear. You no longer have to walk around with those nasty lies and labels written on your heart. You are a brave woman. And if you're a man listening to this, you're a brave man. I want to encourage you to choose to rise up out of the ashes of fear and embrace the courage that is rightfully yours. It's already in you. So apply the tools that have been outlined for you in this episode and in the the episodes before this and walk with your head held high as the overcomer that you are, because you are. And hey, if you need some extra help and you're like, oh gosh, this seems super easy for you, Mandy, because you're in it all the time and blah, 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 whatever kind of excuses or or lies and labels might be popping in your head right now telling you, oh, I could never overcome my fear. Well, if you need help, I would be honored to help you. In fact, we have a six-week coaching experience happening this summer called the She Who Overcomes Coaching Experience. What do you know? Where actually my bestie Rachel and I at Big Blue Couch Coaching are going to help you dive deeper into this. It's going to be six weeks of in-depth coaching to really give you like, like um almost like a boot camp to become an overcomer. So if you want to know more about that and you want to join this experience, you can do it from anywhere in the world because it's actually going to be all virtual, all online. And you can learn more about it at bigbluecouchcoaching.com forward slash SWO. We would love to help you because you don't have to go at it alone. Some people can, some people are great at, at doing things alone, but the reality is we were we were born to not only be overcomers, but to be overcomers in a community. And I would be so honored to help you Over the next, you know, over this summer, go deeper into building these skills so you're no longer trapped by fear, by those lies and labels, so that you can rise up courageously as the overcomer that you were designed to be. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful week and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to bigbluecouchcoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under Big Blue Couch Coaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.